Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm Veronica Ambiel, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and I'm joined today by Deacon Patrick Jones, who's an award-winning author of Catholic fiction and the founder of Catholic Halos, and Deacon Doug Flynn, who is the Chancellor and General Counsel for the Diocese. Uh, before we begin our discussion today, Deacon Patrick, would you lead us in an opening prayer? In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nuc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. So, um, for our discussion today, we were going to look at uh, a, a recent article from the um, National Catholic Register ca called How to Watch Movies Like a Catholic. And basically, um, somebody writes in with the question, as I am Catholic, is it a sin to watch movies such as The Goonies, uh, I struggle with some films, especially from the 80s, for example, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Indiana Jones films, and the like. Can it be a sin to watch them? These are the movies I grew up with, but since I turned to the Catholic faith, I'm concerned I'm making a mistake if I watch them. I do fear God. Maybe you can help with my dilemma. And, you know, so the uh, the, the author of the article uh Christian uh, Brueger, I believe is how to pronounce his name, kind of go, you know, goes through and gives some criteria for um, that, or not really criteria, but questions we can ask ourselves um, about whether or not um, it would be um, morally objectionable for us to watch certain movies. Now, we, now, obviously, we know that there are some that the, the answer is clearly yes, they would be morally objectionable. Um, I mean, the the one that jumps to mind, I remember years ago, uh, Bishop Sheridan asked me specifically to put something in the paper about it was that Fifty Shades of Grey movies that came out. But um but then there's also a lot of films, as the um, article started uh, listed, where maybe um, there's uh, overall they're they're fine, but there's one or two um, questionable scenes, you know. And so, um, well, well, and something we need to be concerned about too, especially with uh, well. Uh, for example, Star Wars, the underpinning um, theology of that universe uh, that Star Wars is set in is inherently wrong. Uh, it's it's not at all based on reality. It's based on the idea, and I can't remember what the uh, technical term is it is for it, but it's. It's the idea that good and evil balance each other out, and and that's just the only discerning, uh, controlling entity in the universe. 
um, which is ridiculous, uh, and it's anti-Catholic and anti-human. Um, and that doesn't actually come out explicitly in the Star Wars films until the later slash earlier movies, uh, where they point blank name, uh, what the force is and how it works and, and the difference between Luke and, and, uh, the Sith, uh, Darth Vader and others. And, and so while there are some good themes that are in there, they're couched in a very poisonous, uh, foundation that if you're not examining it and, uh, uh, use your intellect to, to root it out and have a family discussion about it, uh, it can actually end up leading to when questions about our Catholic faith come up, we're not quite sure whether our Catholic faith is right or wrong because we've seen all these other things that we haven't questioned. Yeah, that's a good point, Deacon Patrick. In fact, one of the um, questions in, I guess what I'm going to call an examination of conscience uh, that's listed in this article is, um, you know, when considering whether to watch a, a movie, do they weaken or undermine my faith or trust in God or the Catholic Church? And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think um, it, w with Star Wars um, in, in general, you know, in terms of the there there um, were minimal amounts of, um, you know, nudity and things like that. But, but yeah, in terms of the, um, the underlying themes of the show, I, I do, I do recall that, you know, the, the, the Star Wars films that came out, um, when I was growing up, uh, they, it was, um, much more of a, um, not that I'm an expert on this, but it seemed like much more of a good versus evil um, plot line, I guess. And then right later on, as, as you said, as the backstory is revealed, um, it seems like the, um, the lines are blurred a bit. And um, so it could, it could, especially, um, you know, for someone who maybe um, does not have a really solid intellectual uh, foundation. It could be a, a problem there. Um, and then, um, so, but some of the other questions that this writer suggests that we, you know, ask, ask ourselves. Um, well, first of all, just backtracking a bit, one thing he says, and, and I think, um, you know, this is really, worthwhile for us to consider is that um, the moral principle is consistent. I should avoid anything that knowingly makes me sin or constitutes a near occasion of sin for me. Um, and so, you know, he says, first he addresses, you know, the, the movies that have really explicit content. We, we know we need to avoid those, but he says, Perhaps in most, most cases, the impact of a movie is not so direct. Then we must undertake what Alcoholics Anonymous refers to as a fearless moral inventory of our movie watching habits. 
We asked whether we ask whether this movie or this watching is good for us. We ask whether it leads us closer to God. And um, so, um, I, what what he seems to be saying is that there are there are certain films that are an occasion for sin, occasion of sin for some people and and not others. Um, and so he, you know, he says we should ask questions like, do these movie scenes tempt me to sin? Do they play on my moral weaknesses? Do they cause me to desire things that I've freely given up? Do they, do they make it harder for me to be faithful to commitments I've freely accepted? Do they make me ungrateful for things in my life that are part of God's will? Uh, do they make me less sensitized to the perils of mortal sin? Uh, so anyway, the, the list, the list goes on there, but, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think that, uh, we, you know, the, the underlying message of the article is that we have to be brutally honest with ourselves and, um, you know, that we, we know, right. That we all have, um, we all have, uh, different temptations and weaknesses and, uh, you, you know, like even further down, um, you know, he talks about, um, if I struggle with alcohol or drug abuse, does watching movies with happy abusers tempt me to partake? Um, I have to say, like, I never really thought about that, but yeah, if, if, um, you know, if there's a movie that's making light of, using, you know, illegal drugs or drinking to excess for somebody who's um, in recovery that could, even though maybe f for me personally, I wouldn't be an occasion of sin, but for somebody who's in recovery, that could be um, a real problem. So, you hmm. know, I, yeah. We have this notion in our society that, okay, we turn to entertainment be it movies, uh, books, television, whatever, uh, to escape reality. And that even came up in our, uh, pre, pre, uh, recording conversation. Um, and Catholic approach to anything in life is no, 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 no. We're not here to escape reality. We're here to see reality more clearly than the fallen world sees it and that takes like you said veronica brutal honesty and um one of the things for our family uh, i was talking uh, with my uh, crack research team aka my family and uh they don't watch tv they don't watch movies but each uh each um uh, Fasching is the German term for it. Uh, Carnival. We read uh, two. We we read one half of the uh, Calvin and Hobbes cartoons, and then so it's on a two-year cycle. We just go through and read them, and there we use those as a tool 
And a lot of family discussions come up around these things because, first of all, having all daughters, uh, the, the whole idea of a boy and how they think growing up is a little lost on them. Uh, but for example, there's, there's one Calvin and Hobbes cartoon where, uh, uh, the little boy Calvin, who's six years old, uh, is trying to uh, hit the little girl Susie with a snowball, and he misses her and misses her over and over. And she has all these snowballs pelting all around her, but not hitting her. And the last uh, frame or two is finally she gets uh, blasted in the face with a uh, slush ball and goes flying over backwards. And it turns out Calvin sold his soul to the devil and thought it was all worth it. And so sometimes you get these, these things where there are these one liners uh, in movies or Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. And it, it just puts the whole thing into a whole different light instead of being a, a funny examination of uh, uh, ourselves. Um, it's okay. Now we have to have a theological conversation around the, the whole piece and why to a society that doesn't really take uh, the soul or the devil seriously, this is pretty funny. And why to those of us who know it's real, it's not very funny at all. Um, and, and so that kind of conversation if we have that as a Catholic family, when we experience things, be it uh, just in general in society, billboards, driving around town, however we experience things that are, we are countercultural to uh, living in a society that is no longer Judeo-Christian. Um, it helps us to understand and helps our kids to understand what it means to be radically Catholic, which hopefully is redundant. If we understand what Catholic is. Well, yeah, uh, Deacon Patrick, uh, it, you know, I think a lot of these, um, questions that, that the author poses in this article definitely could be, um, asked of popular music as well. And as you were talking, it, it really reminded me of, um, growing up my, uh, two sisters and I, we all played the violin and, um, my dad really got into, um, fiddle music. I, I mean, listening to it, enjoyed it. He didn't play himself, but he really enjoyed listening to it. And there was that one song that was quite popular. I'm really dating myself now, but, uh, you know, the devil went down to Georgia by, uh, of course, I'm Charlie, Charlie Daniels, band. Charlie Daniels. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the same, it's the same, I think, concept though, that, you know, it's in, a, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's, um, maybe you could say, you know, lighthearted song, but, um, but yeah, again, the idea of, you know, getting into a fiddling contest with the devil and he, he gets your soul if you lose. Yeah. It, 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 it at the end of the day, we probably don't want to be portraying that as, as something humorous. And, and so, um, I mean, in hindsight now, I, I can kind of understand why my mom always seemed to disappear when that was, hmm. when he was playing that. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it, yeah, it, it, we, you know, we, 
we have to, um, I, I think, um, you know, so, and I will say, I think maybe, um, some of the music that I listened to, you know, when I was, um, uh, in my teens, I was probably pretty naive and didn't really understand, um, what, uh, what some of it meant. And then, you know, now you look, you know, with the benefit of hindsight 30 years later and you're kind of, kind of horrified. Um, and you know, I, I think, uh, for, for some of us who are a certain age, we may have to, uh, look through our, the stack of, uh, CDs in our, <laughs> the hidden away somewhere and say, do, you know, do I really want to keep this around? But, um, but yeah, I, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely can there there can be some bad content that's packaged in a um, humorous and seemingly innocent way for sure. Well, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about music because the title of our talk was about how to watch movies, but I, I'm reminded of some music growing up. And at one point, there were certain records back when you had vinyl <clears throat> that if you put them backwards, they had supposed messages on them and a friend of mine was like you don't have to play them backwards i mean they have band names like black sabbath and don't fear the reaper <laughs> they're saying the loud part the real part out loud yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's under that under the category of if someone tells you who they are believe them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so true but but yeah i mean you know, with, with all that being said, um, I, you know, I think even, um, even the, the, you know, the popes themselves have, have said that there are, um, there are films that convey very, um, worthy ideas and truths that, um, you know, we, that, that have value and that, uh, we may want to consider looking at, um, and I was uh, pulling out. So, so in the last two issues of the Herald, um, and these came from um, OSV News. There's there are two lists of of movies. Um, so the first one that we published in our February second issue um, was uh, Marriage. I guess what we call marriage friendly movies are movies that are, you know, supportive and have a, like an uplifting view of marriage. Um, and then in the latest issue, the February 16th issue, which uh, no one has yet, but um, it's uh, Lent, Lent worthy movies with uh, conversion tales. And we get um, a free preview. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here first. No, but um <laughs> So, so, you know, but, but interestingly, I, I guess, you know, pursuant to our discussion here, you know, in looking through this, um, this list. So for example, in the marriage, uh, related movies, they, one of the ones they bring up, uh, is the, uh, a beautiful mind. The, the one that featured, uh, Russell Crowe, and it was a true to life story about, um, you know, a scientist who um, experiences uh, schizophrenia and his um, his wife, you know, is 
pretty terrified when she realizes just what's going on. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I don't want to give the whole thing away. Um, but basically, you know, in, in the end works, uh, sticks with him and, and helps him work through, uh, his, his, his illness. And, um, so, you know, now I, I, I do know that there were, um, some suggestive, um, kind of scenes in that movie. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they were explicit, but, you know, there's a case where at least in, you know, in this reviewer's mind, um, the kind of the overall overarching message of the movie, you know, they're able to overlook some, some of those things. Um, another, another one that he recommends is, um, the, uh, the, the movie called The Awful Truth back from 1937. And that stars, uh, Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. And again, you know, the, um, the movie starts out with them, with them, uh, be, you know, getting ready to go through uh, a divorce, but they end up reunited in the end, you know. So I, I guess you could say, uh, you know, so the, because the, the resolutions to the movies and the overall um, storylines are, you know, supportive of marriage, they're willing to overlook some of these things. Well, and watching movies, with eyes of innocence um, doesn't mean that the characters in those movies or in those books or whatever the stories are don't commit sins. Um, but it does mean that the story ought to have them confront their sins and its consequence and uh, have some, ideally some understanding advancement of, of that it was a sin and how do they move forward and more and more that is absent in uh the stories that are getting told and the stories seem to be getting less and less imaginative and less and less engaging because there isn't this understanding of the inner journey of the soul toward Christ and casting off temptation and embracing virtue uh it's it's couched in this this whole idea of uh you know the the universe is uh wanting me to have this uh or um some other flavor of personal truth that gets touted as the the core foundation of all humanity um and in, unless you go back to older films and are highly selective, even of those, it, it, it's almost to the point where do you just turn off the television and as the fan, as a family, pray the rosary together. And uh, if you pray the whole rosary all the way through, uh, then you've got your one hour. <laughs> so uh that's something to consider too, is how do you do family time and, and what content is worthy of uh, our faith and uh, our own soul as we strive to run towards Christ? Well, um, speaking of, uh, yes, the 
con conversion from sin. Um, one of the movies that's recommended in the uh, list of Lent worthy movies that again is in the February, February 16th issue of the Herald is um, Beckett. And so it, it tells the story of um, King Henry II and Sir Thomas Beckett. And, um, you know, so it says how their days of drinking and womanizing came to an end when the monarch appointed Beckett Archbishop of Canterbury, leading to Beckett's spiritual transformation and ultimate martyrdom. And so, you know, I think I, I don't if I've seen this movie, I don't recall it, but presumably it's the drinking and womanizing that led to the PG-13 uh, rating. But, uh, you know, obviously it's uh, because he uh, is, you know, was martyred that uh, we can we can see that it you know, he turned back to, or, you know, he definitely repented, um, of his past actions and, uh, you know, had a conversion there. So, um, anyway, you know, they, that gets, gets a pretty high, uh, recommendation. Um, another one is, uh, Boys Town from 1938, which, um, you know, Probably a lot of people are familiar with that one. It has uh, Spencer Tracy as Father Flanagan, who, you know, kind of dedicates his life to helping boys who have gotten in trouble to um, turn their turn their lives around. So um, that that one I think is pretty pretty pr pretty safe bet. Um, but you know and. And I, I know, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, I, I, I know that um, my boys all enjoyed, uh, for the most part, the uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy um, movies. And I, you know, I, well, I, I, I think there's definitely debate about whether those movies accurately depicted um, the, the books. By, no, uh, there really isn't any debate. They they failed miserably. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely encourage reading the books. <laughs> and it yeah. gets even worse when you get to the Hobbit film. Like I couldn't even watch past the first five minutes. Oh, the the, the ones one that came those. out later. Yeah, yeah. They were they were horrific. But no, the what I. I uh, I saw an interview with the the writers of uh, the Tolkien uh, films, and one they don't understand storytelling. They're they're stuck, and modern world doesn't understand storytelling. They're stuck in this idea that you have to trigger the amygdala of fear and ratcheting up the tension in every scene every time for the audience to stay engaged, and they don't understand or fathom the the inner challenge of uh the audience is perfectly capable of understanding inner turmoil and um and and that's what tolkien was a master of and so there's there's some very large theological concepts 
uh, among them um, just war theory and uh, human uh, dignity, uh, dignity of friendship that that the uh, the authors of the screenwriters absolutely slaughter uh, and get wrong in the the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings. And that's just aside from the fact that they basically go from battle to battle to battle. They don't really convey much about the characters. Um, so that's that's an excellent point too, Veronica, of uh, things that are Catholic that get portrayed on, into film uh, are often anti-Catholic by the time they come out, no matter how well-intentioned the people are in doing them. And the same goes for the C.S. Lewis Narnia um, movies uh, instead of the books, because storytelling has been um, manipulated and then authors have become duped into believing that they have to tell stories in a certain way. And that's not how you tell a good story. That's not how you tell a story that helps to shepherd the the people who engage with it. Well, you know, that's interesting, Deacon Patrick, because I so one of my boys um, at one point brought over uh, even even with the um, even if you look at the version of Lord of the Rings that has the deleted scenes, which presumably they did for length, you you. I remember watching it going, oh, <laughs> that's that explains a lot. You know, again, I'm sure it didn't, you know, fully tell the story. But, yeah, the deleted scenes were generally um, dialogue scenes, right? Not fighting, but dialogue where the characters, um, you, you get a more of a glimpse into their history and things like that. And, uh, yeah, it, it was unfortunate because you, you I, I remember thinking if they had just left this in it, you would have it would have made a better, better story. But, um, well, we're about out of time for today. Uh, before we, uh, wrap up, just want to remind everybody that you can find this episode and all past episodes of, uh, Catholic Halos on, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, and several other platforms. So, so, uh, feel free to check us out there. Uh, Deacon Doug, would you lead us in a closing prayer? Certainly. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nuc in anora mortis nostrae. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. <laughs>